One of the episodes of this podcast we have enjoyed recording the most was eavesdropping on New York-based Julian's Auctions, as they valued pieces of memorabilia brought into the Beatles Story Museum by members of the public. Many of those items were auctioned by Julian's, and some were actually bought by the Beatles Story, where they were placed on display ready for the attraction reopening its doors after the coronavirus lockdown. General Manager Mary Chadwick and Marketing Manager Diane Glover gave us a sneak preview. I'm Ellen Kerwin. And I'm Laura Davis, and this is Beatles City. So what were the types of things that were bought up and valued by the auctioner? Well, there was quite a range of things. Uh, My favourite, I think, was Brian Epstein's briefcase. It wasn't something I knew a lot about, um, and it, but it was very of its time and I quite liked that. I liked how you could imagine him carrying it and it's displayed next to his coat. There's no sort of photograph of his head above the coat or anything and yet it's, it's just so like, it just looks exactly like Brian Epstein. And then it turned out there was a really interesting story behind the briefcase which was that um, apparently his boyfriend had actually stolen it and had held it to ransom but they made up and, and he did return it. There were some contents inside the briefcase that Brian didn't want anybody to see. So we have to just let our imaginations run away with us for that one. And what was it like to walk around at the museum, you know, as it was closed? It was really strange. I haven't ever been there when it wasn't open to the public. So there's always been a lot of people, a lot of people speaking all different languages. I think their their main demographic are international students. Um, so to just have a private tour was really quite a treat. <laughs> A large poster. Um, obviously, it's mostly in English and German, so it says "Bravo." Um, I can't speak German, so I'm not going to go into it. It's a, <laughs> it's um, a, a black and white image of the Beatles, early days, obviously the rock and roll years. So, um, yeah, we just feel it's a nice piece to add to our Hamburg section. They look like they've already got their yeah they look like they've already been tidied up a little bit by Astrid didn't she she done a lot of work on them and about the look and how they looked um, because they were a little bit rough looking weren't they when they arrived in Hamburg and she took them under her wing and created what we say is the look early look of the Beatles yeah brilliant great so for people who don't know the, the Beatles stories and actually underground, very like the cabin. Yes, because obviously we're in the Royal Albert Dock, so the building lends itself to that archways of like the cavern days and stuff like that. So for us, the building adds to the whole atmosphere of the exhibition. So um, it helps us create some of the sets that we, we're going to talk about today. Right. So we're walking down a sort of cobbled street. Yeah, almost. this is. Um, Obviously, where the grapes were and what they used to do because they didn't sell alcohol in the cavern, the Beatles used to sneak over to the grapes for a, for a pint, as they say, because they weren't allowed to drink with them. So it was all um, Coca Cola and stuff like that. So yeah, this is the map. What Matthew Street would have looked like when the cavern was in its heyday, and it was an, looked like an, an alley, an alleyway really. And, and we've tried to create that so that you feel like you're walking down that street before you enter the cavern. It's feeling a lot like the real thing. Yeah, it? well, it's actually um, replica to size. So when they built this when um, in 1990, when, when we were open, Mike Byrne and Bernie Byrne actually done the measurements of the cavern and gave it to the builders. So it is very much 
the size of the cavern would have been in that day, where people used to be there and the sweat would be dripping down the walls and um, because it was so hot in there. So yeah, it, it, it does, it is, and we tried to make it as, as what it looked like so you can get a feel of that. So is it so it's completely dark when people come in? It's not it's 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 um there's beef footage but you can't really see the stage until the welcome has been done and then we we light it up from behind so that it brings up the stage light and so it gives that whole atmospheric looks to, to what we wanna what we wanna see the Beatles ready to come on stage and that's what we're trying to achieve in here. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So hopefully we've got it right. So this section is um, dedicated to Brian Epstein um, and when we seen the auction coming to Beatles story we, we noticed that Brian's case was going to be part of that collection and that was our main piece to be honest with you on the day that we wanted to, to get. Yeah. So it's, it's Brian's briefcase as you can see it's got his initials on, Brian Epstein um, and there's a whole story behind that case, um, which is, is part of a really interesting story. Um, at the time, it was stolen um, by his boyfriend and kept as ransom. And there was uh, thing, items in there that they're not in there now at this day, but we've bought that. Um, and that was the focus of that day. And we, we, we secured that piece on the day, which was amazing because we did think it could go overseas or something, even though we do try and get it back. Um, it's Beatles stories and we own it. So it's great to keep it here in the Yeah, and it, it gives what we show here is Brian's coat hanging with his briefcase, which what was what Brian was a look like on an everyday business day. He was very much a gentleman. His whole presentation was he was a he was a businessman. So we wanted to give that um, feel and tell the story, the important story of Brian um, with the Beatles. So this section and Nems we feel recognises that. It's interesting that even without his a photograph of him, it, it, you can see it's him. Kind yeah, of. you can see it's him, and that's why when we see in the coast and we, we, we wanted something in here, that was our initial purchase, and that was about two years ago now. Um, and then we've done some photographs. We got alone a uh, in with a, a lady who owns these photographs, and um, we enhanced that by buying, purchasing some of his personal items, which for us is amazing because we get to keep them now, so which is great. Can you tell me any more about the story? He used it on his US tour in 1966. Um, but, I mean, the story behind it, that one being so special, was that it had been stolen and they said that there was things in there that Brian didn't want people to see yeah. and it was stolen by his boyfriend. So there was obviously some um, kind of um, argument that was going on at the time. Um, but, the, yeah, there's a quite a bit of press yeah. about it, isn't yeah, there? And yeah. then, well, I, I don't know when it was found. When was it found? It was lo relocated or was it handed back by his I boyfriend? Think, in think the end they, they sorted it out and it was handed back by yeah. him. Or, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And we didn't really know the story behind it. And when we wanted to purchase it, it was purely to enhance this section. Which that's was what we find interesting all the time because we've got... We have a lot of lenders who we we um, we do contracts with, don't we, on two two three year basis, um, and longer as well. So we get some really nice pieces that come through from that. But then sometimes we will purchase our own pieces. But sometimes you can be purchasing a piece, and then th that's that's the great thing about the Beatles story. There's always so many different underlying stories that you find out. It's like the uh, John Lennon letter yeah. that we do with Julian's auction house. Um, based in LA, they do a lot of the the sale of Ringo's stuff, and 
um, they get Beatles memorabilia all the time and then let us know so we can have a look and see if it's something we want to purchase if it's above our budget then they'll negotiate with the buyer of it and say what are you doing with this fabulous um, John Lennon piano and they'll say well I'm just going to stick it up in my loft and everything they'll say well why don't you put it on display at the Beatles store you've got all these people from all over the world who want to come back to Liverpool as the birthplace of the Beatles um, it's you know it's it's a pilgrimage for them um, why don't you put it on display there then it can tell its own story and you know we ensure it we look after it we display it for them um, and Julian's Auction House started doing a memorabilia call out day with us about three years ago because we knew that Beatles um, did so, especially in the early days, did so many concerts in and around Liverpool and the, the surrounding area. And we said, surely there's people who've got memorabilia up in their loft and they don't even realise what it's worth. So that when we opened the doors, the queues out the doors of people who were coming in with lots of different things. But there was one guy who came in and about 10 years previously he'd been to a car boot sale um, in somewhere up in Southport, I think it was. Um, and he'd purchased quite a few vinyls and when he got home he had a Beatles vinyl and as he pulled it out a piece of paper fell out on the floor um, and when he looked at it he was like this is strange. The team found out that it was John Lennon's handwriting um, and when they looked at it the Dear Your Majesty and the John Lennon signature was smudged so it was obviously he'd done it smudged it somehow and thought can't send that to her majesty the queen can i and done a second one which she currently has in her keeping and i think it was valued at about sixty thousand and on the day and this guy was just like oh my life i've kept hold of this piece of paper thinking that it was just a joke and i was it we were in the room weren't they on the day when he did it and he was like white as a sheep just you know, a piece of paper that's worth sixty thousand. can i just ask um, both of you got your own sort of relationship to the Beatles and the music. Were you both big fans before you before you started? Um, well, I was um, born in the city centre, so my background in music was probably Irish music. Um, I knew of the Beatles a lot of my family. Two of my uncles worked on the door in the cavern, so um, I've always had a connection to the Beatles. Oddly, um, not not you worked at the cavern. As yeah, well. and I've worked at the cavern when I started my career in tourism. Um, it was with Cavern City Tours, so I feel like I've always had a connection, and that's starting from being born in the city and always being proud of what who they are. And when you go away, or you talk about them, and for me, I've been here twenty six years. When I go away and say I work at the Beatles story, they're like, oh my God, what an amazing job. And it is it. I loved the early music. I loved all the rock and roll. I'm not so keen on the later stuff, but that's just, that's just my personal taste. I've got quite an eclectic music taste. I can listen to classical radio and Swan Lake on the way in and then switch it over to Iron Maiden and some heavy rock. So, uh, But I remember coming from my interview with Mary and uh, Martin interviewing me, because obviously I knew about the Beatles, but I, I didn't have that like pure knowledge of the Beatles and you know I, I enjoyed their music but Martin asking me like um, you know what I knew about the Beatles and was I a Beatles fan and I said well I'm not too sure you need a Beatles fan here you, you know you, you're asking somebody to come and do the marketing I said and I can do marketing I said the product I will learn about and boy have I learned about the products like I've been here now six years and the steepest learning curve but what I love about it is the people that you meet here, you know, when you sat in the cafe talking to Julia Bird, who's John Lennon's sister, and she's telling you these stories of John, and um, and every single person who comes through this door has got a story about the Beatles. Everybody's grandfather went to a, you know, or, or, or went to a, a place where they knew of the Beatles, or you know, everyone has a story mm -hmm. about it, and that's what 
I love and you know the passion of people that I can massively hook into. item that we purchased um, at the, the same auction here at Beetle Story and um, it's a rare hard day's night final signs on the front cover and um, by all Beatles and um, which was very rare because the Beatles didn't really like to sign records um, and not on the front either they normally done it on the back or whatever so another one that we actually love which is our help notes um, which is um, George Martin help notes and I've got a lovely story around this because we had um, John, George Martin's wife come and visit who told us information about the piece that we didn't know either um, on a visit to day you... yeah. no, she came in she came in to have a look around and then um, we took her down here and we said oh we've got George Martin's help notes we've got your husband's help notes and when she was looking at it she went oh yeah 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 there's my handwriting so we were like we thought it was all George's handwriting on there so she said no no I was there on the day she said when he was writing it she said he'd been talking to me and saying oh will you just write this down and it's only when we looked really closely at it, we were like, okay, you could tell it was two different hand, like handwriting on it. This one is the Hello Little Girl shellac, really it is. This was a, an, another auction, not here. It was on values of £30,000, so we went up with our little credit cards. And <laughs> we were outbid on the day, um, quite a lot, to be honest. It was completely out of our budget. There was a lot of people in the room, a lot of people on the phones and stuff like that. Um, so the guy in the room, I spotted him and I just went over and asked him what he was going to do with the piece and invited him to Liverpool. He's not from the, the city and we've got it on loan here today. So They call it the record that launched the Beatles because it was the acetate that Brian produced and handed over to George Martin that basically got the record contract signed for them. Um, but what's interesting, you've got Brian's writing on the front and he actually spells hello wrong. <laughs> so he's put hello, little girl, on it. But he's, he's obviously, on the day, I think, that he'd gone down to um, the London studio to get it, it made as quick as possible and then get it over to George Martin. We never sort of professed to be a museum as such. Yes, we have these great pieces of uh, memorabilia, but we're unique in the fact that what we want to do is tell the story of the world's greatest band, but take people back in time to those places. So as they're walking through with their audio guides and you know listening to it in 12 different languages, so we're catering for all our internationals, they're actually living that story, um, you know, rather than just going to a museum and looking at a piece and reading about it. It's actually, you know, as you walk through, you're like, okay, now I'm in the cabinet, yeah, now I'm in the white room. And that, you know, that's always our plan is to, yeah. to, to be unique in that way, to be more than a museum, really, to be a, um, an immersive attraction. Every year we've been celebrating the 50th anniversary, so last year it was Abbey Road, the year before that it was Sgt Pepper Beatles in India, um, and we've had a new exhibit for every year. Now we're going into, obviously, the breakup and the solo years, so we'll be concentrating on the solo pods. We started off with Ringo, and we'll be looking at other ones as well. Yeah. So we already had Ringo's drum kit, and we've already got Ringo's um, drumsticks and sneakers. And his sneakers. We're always adding to like the yeah. collection of this, but because it was his 80th birthday last week.
we wanted to put on something special. So Mary, you'd, you'd yeah, done that I, at the auction as well. Yeah, you? we'd at the auction that these four t-shirts came up um, as part of his personal collection. Um, Ringo designed them with um, peace and love in mind. So it was very much to do with um, John Lennon being shot and stuff like that. So knowing that his 80th birthday was coming up, we wanted to enhance this section. This is our piece as well, which is the um, the drum kit that um, Ringo plays um, on the concert for George, which is a very special concert, really. Um, and we find this is when we bought these, it gives us that hole. So we've done it in a in four drum kits and it's four t-shirts. A group of four cotton t-shirts that were featuring designs by Ringo Starr. Um, including two with the psychedelic handguns titled Knotted Barrel that you can see on here here um, printed and, and embellished with crystals on this one here um, and together with the shirts featuring the original piece and love designed by Ringo um, for the organisation whateveritakes.org which is a charitable organisation um, he's also been photographed performing in the crystal um, knotted barrel t-shirt during his most recent all-star band tour so you can you can see it's been worn can't you? yeah yeah, yeah that, that's what i like about that it's like yeah faded and the and the collars yeah around here he's obviously been drumming, drumming away <laughs> <laughs> like that like, like no he drums he drums die drums um but yeah we're always adding to the collection and I think now you know because we're going on to tell the story of their solo years we'll be very much concentrating with Darren on getting solo pieces in here and and you know probably making some changes around yeah. here and we've got another key, few key pieces that we can't talk about today um, um, coming up but it's it's a mi one major piece I would think um, and hopefully in the next couple of months we can release the detail on that which it is an, it is an exciting piece. Have you ever had Paul or Ringo through the doors? We've not had them through the doors. I've met Paul quite a few times. Um, one of the times we met him was in Tel Aviv. We got invited. The Israeli ambassador came to Beatles Story um, and wanted to apologise to the Beatles because they didn't, they didn't let the Beatles play there. Um, so he handed us a letter that we wanted, wanted to get to Paul. So Julia... John Lennon's sister delivered it to Paul McCartney. And then about a year later, we seen that he was doing a concert in Tel Aviv, and we were like, this has got to be connected with Beatles Story. So um, Joe Flannery at the time reached out, and was a good friend of Paul's, and it was basically that it came through our connection of that, so we got invited out there, four of us to the concert, mm. so we got to meet him before he went on stage. and. Yeah, I just like the whole four. So me and Claire were at the lip of graduation and we said, um, we've never asked for a photograph and we just said that day we're going to do it. Afterwards. You've got it on your desk. Yeah, I've got it on my desk. If you've enjoyed this episode of Beatles City, please remember to review, rate and subscribe on your favourite podcast app where you can also find all the episodes from our first three series. Join us next week when we'll be chatting to Javier Parisi, a John Lennon tribute act who even John's friends say is uncannily just like him. <laughs>